So as we all know, there were many atrocities that occurred during World War II, including the extermination of millions of Jews in the Holocaust. Jewish civilians were rounded up and exterminated. They were killed, not just civilians, but many Jewish soldiers who were captured by the German army were sent to extermination camps or killed. And that was scheduled to be the fate for the Jewish American prisoners of war in Germany's prison camp where the young American soldier Roddy Edmonds found himself in January of 1945. At that time in that prison camp, there were over 1,200 American POWs. And one day, their German captors announced that the following morning, all the Jewish prisoners, and only the Jewish prisoners, were to stand together outside the barracks. The Germans ordered Roddy Edmonds, who was the senior American soldier in prison there, to make sure that the Jewish soldiers were present the following morning. All the Americans knew what this meant. They knew that these men were going to die. So what would you do if you were Roddy Edmonds in that situation? Well, Edmonds, he, he did order all the Jewish troops to go that morning, but he also ordered every other single American troop to go outside. So when the Nazi officer came out and saw all the prisoners standing there, realizing he wouldn't be able to identify who was Jewish, who was not, he became outraged. Roddy Edmonds just looked at him and said, well, you know what, we're all Jews here. And at that, the Nazi officer took out his pistol and his anger pointed it right at Edmonds' face. Edmonds warned the officer if he shot any of the American soldiers, he'd be, be guilty of war crimes, breaking the Geneva Convention. Surprisingly, that's what it took to get that Nazi officer to back down. And Roddy Edmonds successfully rescued many lives that day. Not long afterwards, the war ended and all those prisoners were set free. Many lives were rescued on that day because of the courage of one man. And as we turn together to Joshua chapter 10, we're going to find that the Gibeonites were looking to one man to defend their lives. That man was Joshua. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and turn there with me. Joshua chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, as always, I encourage you to use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 176. Page 176, Joshua chapter 10. Last week we saw how the Gibeonites tricked Joshua and Israel into making a peace treaty with them, and now they needed his help. But in the end we're going to find it was God, not Joshua, who rescued the Gibeonites. In the midst of it all, we're going to see what happens when God fights for his people. And believers, I pray this is going to change how we approach the spiritual battles we face in our lives. When the devil comes tempting us, when sin tries to lure us away from God, and when our sin nature attempts to rule us. So let's begin together. Joshua chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai, totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It's larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoam, king of Hebron, 
Hiram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troop and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. Camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. Hmm. You know, Joshua had a choice here. Because on one hand, he could just let these Canaanites fight it out and destroy each other. I mean, after all, Gideon made a fool of Joshua. I mean, they tricked him into a treaty. They were a bunch of liars and deceivers. Even the Israelites weren't happy with Joshua about it. Maybe a little infighting among the Canaanites, maybe that'd be an advantage to him. Yeah, but on the other hand, if he did nothing, that meant Joshua would fail to fulfill his word, fail to fulfill the treaty that they had made in the name of the Lord with Gibeon. Well, let's be honest, that first option uh, would be tempting, wouldn't it? I mean, like all sin, the idea of ignoring the Gibeonites' cry must have looked good. I mean, after all, that would have been the easiest thing to do. might have even looked satisfying. A little bit of payback. Now, the sins that we usually fall to are the ones that look good, are the ones that guarantee some quick satisfaction, some easy way out. They're about our pleasures, our pursuits, our own vengeance. They're never about God's will. So anything other than rescuing the Gibeonites would be wrong and dishonoring in God's sight. Any other decision was simply a temptation trying to draw Israel and Joshua away from God. And temptation, believers, that is where many of our battles are found in this life. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Galatians chapter 5 warns us that our sin natures will desire and try and pursue those things that are contrary to the Spirit of God who lives within us. See, many of our battles are the temptations that the devil, the world, and our sin nature bring. And I can't help but wonder if spiritual warfare was going on for Joshua. See, so he looked at the situation and tried to decide what step he was going to take. What decision would he make? Now, thank the Lord, he made the right one. Look at verse 7. It says, so Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Let's wait right here for just a, just a minute. So Joshua made his decision. He gathered all his men, not just a little contingent of troops to send to kind of help. No, he gathered all of them, including the best of the best, and he went. And he did this right away. We're going to have confirmation of that in just a minute because they marched all through the night. And they didn't wait to get a good night of sleep first. As we've seen already in our series through Joshua, our obedience to God needs to be immediate. Went, God promised victory to Joshua. But notice, believers, that 
This promise of victory to Joshua didn't come when he was just sitting at home. It didn't come when Joshua was doing his own thing or when he was weighing out the pros and the cons of whether or not he should help the Gibeonites. No, it came when he began doing things God's way. It came when he armored up, armied up, and went out. Believers, God has a lot of promises for us when it comes to the spiritual battles that we face in this life when temptation and discouragement and doubt come our way. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that God's mighty strength is available to us and that he will equip us with the spiritual armament that we need. 1 Peter chapter 5 says that when we resist the devil, when we stand firm in our faith, we can be confident that God will make us strong, firm, steadfast. But all these promises from God to us for our victory, they don't come to us when we stand idly by. God doesn't reward our laziness. No, it's when we're actively fighting God's way, when we're pursuing His will, that's when we'll find God giving us His strength, and that's when we'll find God fighting for us. Just like Joshua did. Look at verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely, the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. So Joshua and his men marched all night in full battle array. No, no Humvees, no tanks, no nicely paved roads. Just a long trek through a land that they knew very little of. They must have been exhausted. Can you imagine trying to fight a battle when you're that tired? Have you ever felt exhausted in your spiritual battles? Where it just feels like you've been fighting so long against that temptation, against that sin, it just feels like it's day after day after day. Have you ever felt that way? Believers, when you feel too exhausted to fight against sin, to continue against that discouragement, to keep going in that trial, don't start thinking in your weariness that God is absent. Look how God showed up for his people here. First, he threw their enemies into confusion. Then as these terrified and confused troops start running, God starts throwing hailstones at them. I mean, I... Then escaping hailstones cast down by the Almighty God at you in judgment. And here's the thing, if this had been the whole battle, this had been all of it so far, and this was what the battle was, 
There's a lot for us to stand in awe of. But then, then God did something even more incredible than these things. Joshua prayed to God that the sun would not move so they could finish the battle, and God kept it there about another full day. And we need to talk about this for a minute. Because there are a lot of well-meaning Christians who try and explain this away. Because they look and they say, well, this couldn't mean that God stopped the rotation of the earth. And that would be catastrophic. So they reason maybe what this really means is that God prolonged the light somehow. The light reflected from the sun in some beneficial way. Or maybe, maybe what Joshua was really asking for is that the heat of the day would stay away so they could keep fighting. Or maybe this is really about extending darkness, not extending light. But look, there are no reasons given to us in this text to take this as anything other than a literal miracle. If you believe in an omnipotent, that is an all-powerful God, who created the universe, then it will not be difficult for you to believe that he could prolong a day in this way. Yeah, but some would say, yeah, but Andrew, but... But if the world stopped spinning, we'd all go flying. Yes, but could an all-powerful God who stops the world from spinning also keep us grounded when he does that? Yeah, well, sure, but, but the, the ecosystems, the tides, everything would fall apart. But could an all-powerful God who created the world and all of its intricacies keep those things intact for a mere day? You see, this isn't a matter of whether we whether or not we believe that God can do this. As one pastor said, either we believe in a God who can do anything, or we must accept a Christian faith that's non-miraculous. And that does away with the inspiration of the Bible, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. In other words, church, it does away with our entire faith. But truthfully, stopping the earth's rotation is a small thing for our great God to do. And Joshua must have believed that too because he prayed this prayer. And the reason I wanted to stop and talk about this is because I think for some of us, we don't experience God's power. We don't experience his strength in our spiritual battles. First, because we don't even ask him. When Joshua was willing to go to the Lord with this prayer, this is a bold prayer. Yeah, but he had bold faith. I think some of us don't experience his power and his strength because... We don't believe that he can or will do great things for us. But Joshua had faith. His request was in line with God's will. And verse 14 tells us, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And believers, Joshua and Israel experienced the awe-inspiring power of God who fought for them in their battles. And you know what? So can we. or prolonging days, but that's because our struggles are primarily spiritual. But the same God who confused Israel's enemies, who did throw hailstones down, who did prolong the day, is the God who promises to strengthen you in your battles. This is the God who promises to strengthen you against temptation, to give you the victory when you battle his way. And when we do that, that's when we find the truth that God does fight for us. And church, when God fights for his people, 
we can be confident that no, no enemy can stand against us. Remember that when God fights for his people, his people can be confident. No enemy can stand against them. All of Israel's enemies fled. And so will ours when we rely on God's strength. Not even the devil will be able to stand against God's people when we fight his way. Listen to what James says. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, as we submit ourselves to God, we will find victory over our spiritual enemies, even the devil. But not only that, let's keep going. Look at verse 16. It says, Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave at Makedah. And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Makedah, he said, Roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave. Post some men there to guard it. But don't stop. Pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear and don't let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. Why would Joshua say that? Why would he tell them to keep pursuing their enemies? Maybe it's because if you were an Israelite soldier, wouldn't this seem like an okay time to stop? Take it easy? I mean, just think about it. All the enemies have been put to flight. They've captured the leaders. The Israelites, they have to be exhausted. And not only that, I mean, surely Gideon is safe, right? But Joshua said, don't, don't stop. So pursue your enemies. The Lord's given them into your hands. I was thinking about it this week. I think sometimes in our spiritual battles, we get to that, that time when it seems like that temptation has ceased. Or the pull of that habit seems to be fading. Then we start to think that maybe it's a good time to just take it easy. To just kind of step back. We stop pouring ourselves into prayer, into scripture. We stop our lazy. All the while, our enemy regroups looking for an opportunity. There's a reason temptation always seems to catch us unaware. There's a reason that sin seems to come at our most vulnerable. There's a reason that we are told to be alert because our enemy, the devil, looks for someone to devour. It's because a lazy target is an easy target. We're not to become Instead, church, when God fights for us, we need to be encouraged to continue pursuing his will in the battle. Joshua realized his men needed to know that. This wasn't time to take it easy. This was time to continue pursuing God's will. And we need to do that too in our battle. We need to stay on guard to fight that temptation whenever it rears its ugly head. We need to battle that addiction at every turn. We need to be alert. We need to make sure that we do not stop relying on God in our battles against sin and temptation. Look at verse 20. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely. But a few survivors managed to reach their fortified cities. And the whole army then returned safely to Joshua and the camp at Makedah. No one uttered a word against the Israelites. Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave. Bring those five kings out to me. 
So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel, said to the army commanders who had come with him, Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said, Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Then Joshua put the kings to death, exposed their bodies on five poles, and they were left hanging on the poles until evening. At sunset, Joshua gave the order. They took them down from the poles, threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. I want to stop and just talk about one of the things we saw here. Because I realize sometimes in the book of Joshua, there are some shocking things, or things that at least seem strange to us. Now, we've already addressed before in the past this putting them on the poles and taking them down at sunset. We've talked about that. But Joshua had the soldiers put their feet on the necks of those kings. That seems strange to us, doesn't it? But let's understand this wasn't some curse. This was a symbol for his soldiers. This was supposed to be a physical picture to encourage them of the victory that God was guaranteeing them. You see, this was a reminder to his men that the same way God delivered these five kings, that God was going to put all their enemies under their feet as long as they continued to battle God's way. See, I think it's important sometimes for God's people to have those picture, something we can see, a reminder of what God has, has promised us. So believer, when you grow weary in your battles, when things seem overwhelming, when laziness comes calling, don't, don't forget who fights for you, and don't forget his promises to you. And if ever you feel that you are having a hard time remembering that, if ever you feel that you need a picture of the victory he guarantees, we can simply look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there is the symbol and physical picture to remind us of what our Savior did for us. Our Savior who defeated sin and death and has already declared us to be victors in Him. Because of Jesus Christ, we've been rescued from sin and hell. And we already have the ultimate victory. Keep in mind that Jesus said to His disciples in John chapter 16, He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And just as he guarantees our ultimate victory in him, he will bring us victory in the battles we face now if we continue to go about those battles in his strength. Sometimes we need a reminder of that. So if you need to, believer, look to the cross when things get difficult. But like I said, he guarantees victory. That's the next thing we'll see. Look at verse 28. That day, Joshua took Makedah. He put the city and its king to the sword, totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. And he did to the king of Makedah as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved on from Makedah to Libna and attacked it. The Lord also gave that city and its king into Israel's hand. The city and everyone in it, Joshua put to the sword. He left no survivors there. And he did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Look, this is the pattern throughout the rest of the chapter. Right, they went to Lachish. They defeated it. Why? God gave it into their hands. 
They defeated the king of Gezir, the city of Eglon, the city of Hebron, the city of Debir, the whole region. Verse 42 tells us this. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. You see, in the end, Joshua and Israel had victory. Gibeon was saved. And why did they have that victory? Because God fought for them. And church, when God fights for us, we can be confident that we will have victory. That sin that you've been dealing with is not stronger than the God that you serve. The God who prolonged the day can provide strength for you. That discouragement from the enemy, those doubts that he keeps whispering in your ears, that's nothing compared to the God who gives us encouragement. But we must ask ourselves, church, are we looking to God for strength in our battles? Are we actively going to him in prayer and in scripture for these things? Or are we standing around hoping that God will miraculously solve our problems without any effort on our parts? Look, God could have easily defeated those kings while Joshua and the soldiers slept in at Gilgal. But God doesn't call his people to be spectators. We're supposed to be active. He called us to be victors, but he expects us to move. I mean, to enter into that victory, he guarantees we need to put on the armor that he provides. We need to go to him for strength, and we need to pursue the battle until the victory is won. See, believers, despite what the devil might try and say to you, when you face that temptation over and over, despite what he says, you're not hopeless in your fight. If Jesus is your Savior, you've been called to live a life of righteousness in his strength. And that's what he promises to you. But as one pastor said, the promises of God do not exempt us from the battle. They just give us the ability to win it. And if we want to win those battles, if we want to enjoy spiritual victory and live for the Lord, we need to rely on him. We need to go to God for strength. When we do, we can remember that because he fights for us, we don't have anything that we have to fear. So remember this truth this week, church. We do not need to fear failure when we fight in God's strength. Foolish to try and fight in our own strength, but we don't need to fear failure when we fight in God's strength. We fight in his strength by studying his word, where his instruction and guidance is to us, by going to him in prayer, by submitting to his will for our lives. Believers, I don't know what you're going through this week. I don't know what spiritual difficulty or battle you've been facing, but my prayer is we would be a church of believers faithful to rely on God for strength because that's where our victory is going to be found. If you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, before you leave, I just want to take a minute to tell you about the victory that he won, one that will impact your life if you will give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there's a problem, and the problem is that all of us have sinned. Uh, We sin when we break God's commands. That's when we lie and cheat and steal and lust and take God's name in vain. These are some of the sins that we commit. And the reason these are a problem is because our sins are separating us from God. And the just punishment for them is that when this life is over, we'll be separated forever from God in a place called hell. Now the bad news gets worse. We can't make up for our sins. No amount of good works, no amount of going to church, no amount of giving of our time and money, none of these things get us closer to God. That is the bad news. The good news is that even though we are hopeless, 
to get to him on our own. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus did the thing that we can't do. He lived a perfect life. And because of his perfection, he was able to step in and be our substitute. At the end of that life, Jesus willingly died on the cross to take the wrath, the punishment that we deserve for sin. After Jesus died, he's buried in the grave. And three days later, he powerfully rose from the dead, proving he's no mere man. He's the son of God. He's the Savior. He's the only one who can save you and me from an eternity separated from him. And understand that because of what Jesus did, he secured pardon from the penalty of hell, the forgiveness of all our sins, eternal life when this life ends. These are all the things Jesus has been waiting your whole life to give to you. The question this morning is, are you willing to give your life to him? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And friend, if you have never done that, I want to get together. Friend, if that's where you're at right now, Jesus isn't your Savior, but maybe you're ready to change that. Please know that during this final song, you can come up, you can talk to me, we'll pray together. You can ask whatever questions you might have. But maybe you're ready to make this decision right now. And if that's true, understand that no matter where you've been in life, no matter what you've done, know that Jesus has waited your whole life to forgive your sins and save your soul. And you can go to him right now in prayer. Now, there's no one way that you must pray it. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Tell him you know he died on the cross for you. You believe he rose from the dead. Give your life to him. He'll save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that for those of us who have made that decision, who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd help us to live lives of victory against sin and temptation. We'll still fall and fail. When we do, I pray we'd be quick to run to you for forgiveness. But I pray that you would help us not to become lazy in our spiritual battles, not to give up and throw in the towel, Help us to realize that you're, you want to fight for us. You want to give us your strength for these things. But we need to go to you and ask for these things. We need to fight your way. Lazy? Or we give up? Or we forget all that you've promised us? When we're weary, when we struggle, when we want to give up, help us to look to the cross. Remember your love for us. Remember your promises to us. And continue on in the battle until the victory is won. Father, we love you. But you prove day after day that you love us more. You proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us so much more than we'll ever realize. And we thank you for that. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that 
Thou bidst me come to Thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot oh lamb of God I come, I come. You know, I'm going to just say this real quick. When I came to Jesus, I didn't have to have a certain amount of money in the bank. I didn't have to be dressed a certain way. It didn't matter that I was broken. It didn't matter that I had faults. It didn't matter that I had failed. All that mattered was that I came to Him just like I was. Come to Jesus. Don't think that you got to get things in line before you do. You can come to Him right now just as you are. Just as I am, Thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, part, done, cleanse, relieve, because Thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Real quick, I want to encourage you guys by letting you know that we uh, I made a request from uh, yesterday, or last Sunday, uh, that we needed a tree taken down. Uh, I want to thank Brother Randy, Brother Yank, Brother Bubba, Brother Neil, Tommy, Brother Brandon, and whomever else was out there. They came on Tuesday. That tree was gone in a trailer in about 35, 40 minutes. It was wonderful. So thank you guys very much. Um, my favorite holiday of the year is coming, and that's uh, Good Friday, and people say there's no such thing as that. Their Good Friday is not a holiday. I beg to differ. It is the Christian's ultimate holiday because that is when our Lord and Savior took the cross for us. On Good Friday at 6 o'clock, we're going to have an Easter musical and communion right here inside the sanctuary. If you want to sing with the choir, we have two rehearsals left, and you're like, well, you have two rehearsals left, and you're asking for people to come sing? Yes, I am. Because God says to lift up a joyful noise, and if it's noise, you're going to feel right in with the rest of us. So come and sing with us, okay? we got two rehearsals left, one uh, this coming Wednesday at 5 o'clock, so come join us. Also, just a reminder about Memphis. Um, great things coming. This church has got a lot going on, guys, so um, praise the Lord that um, 
um, we were able to see 16 kids going on a youth trip. That's just, that's God right there and, and, and things like that. So we're so encouraged that you're here today. We want to, again, welcome our visitors. That you'll come back next week. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much. God, I just can't even describe that that love. I just there are so many words to describe it, but just none of them seem none of them seem adequate. God, just the love that you show to us, countless amounts of love every single day, every single moment of our lives. God, I pray that no one would leave this building today without understanding what the true love of God is, and that is to experience salvation. So God, if someone is here this morning, Lord, that is still struggling with that decision, God, I pray that you would make it easy for them or that they would find myself, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Andrew, Dr. Roselle. They'd find anyone here, Lord, who they would want to feel comfortable talk to or about the plan of salvation. God, we pray that they would do that before they leave today. God, I pray that you would go with us now as we leave this place. I pray that you would put people in our path that we could witness to. Thank you, God, so much for your mercy, your grace, and everything that's been done here this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.